0: All right, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12, okay? We're going to be in three chapters, predominantly Genesis 12, 15, and 17, as we look at this second covenant of the Old Testament, okay? Start turning. if you don't have a Bible, uh, we're going to have a couple of the guys come down with the Bibles. Don't feel weird about this. We give them out every week. Raise your hands high, and we'll pass those out to you. Follow along. We want you to do that, okay? Anyone today? No? They're free. You get a free thing. There you go. All right, right down here. Free gift. It's Christmas. All right. Genesis 12. Um, I want to start off by saying, and and she actually wasn't able to make it, but I just want to honor her publicly if I might. But on Friday, my wife and I had our five-year anniversary, and I just wanted to say that she's fantastic. And if she were here, I would have her stand up, make her feel super awkward. But she's not here, so she'll listen to this, and she'll feel awkward. Okay? Okay. Uh, that being said, um, we started Advent last week and we introduced our first covenant. The whole purpose of this series is for us to kind of build unto Christmas Eve, right? That every time we get to this season, we start thinking about gifts and, and, and presents and trees and Santas and all that kind of stuff. And then we often say and try and remind ourselves in the church that this holiday is actually about the birth of a king, right? It's actually about the Advent, the coming of a savior. His name was Jesus, okay? And so this is really all building up to this moment, and as we began to plan through what our series was gonna look like for Advent, We wanted to try and give you as much as we could, a 35,000-foot level, right, a broad scope of the Old Testament as it leads up to the fulfillment that we see in the birth of Christ. And so last week, we talked about the Noahic covenant, or Noah, and God's partnership with Noah and what that meant. And we said, listen, Noah, like Christ amongst all the people of the world, was chosen as the righteous one that in his obedience the world would be saved. Right? So we fast forward to Christ. We know that Christ chosen, the Son of God, God in the flesh, chosen to be in his obedience the righteousness of the world. That in his, le- in his death, we receive forgiveness. In his resurrection, we receive new life. Again, one chosen out of the entire lot of humanity to be the one to save all the world. Okay? Noah was that thousands and thousands of years ago. Jesus Christ was that 2,000 years ago. The second one that we look at today is about Abraham, okay? Now, a lot of us know Abraham. In fact, there's probably a song I could start to sing that many of you would know, and it goes, Father Abraham has many sons, and many sons have, and I am one of them, and so, right? So let's all get up and let's do, no, I'm kidding, let's but listen, if you, I wasn't even, I didn't even get raised in the church, but somehow, Father Abraham was something I sang. Like, it was, it was like, because I also grew up in the South, and so that's just like, you're born into, like, you kind of just have Jesus on you, like, by accident. You're like, how did this happen? And, um, but Father Abraham, right, has many sons, and many sons, his father, him, I am one of them, so are you, so let's all up our hands, right? And so we go on through this song, but this is very famous, so we have some idea, some semblance of an understanding, who is Abraham, and the reality of his covenant that we'll look at today is it takes a large span of the book of Genesis, right? It's about 15 chapters, a little bit less than 15 chapters, whereas Noah was just a few, and so I'm going to do my best to try and cover the main points of the Abrahamic covenant as it applies to us today. And the way we're going to try and do this is by saying, what was promised then it's fulfillment then, what is promised now, and it's fulfillment now, right, so we're going to look at then with the Abrahamic covenant, and now with the church, and how God continues to work with us in the pursuit of what has always been his mission to redeem the entire world, okay, it was lost in the fall, he's now on a rescue mission to win it back, this is where we go, we'll try and do our best, now some, uh, some fun facts, Between Noah and Abraham, okay, between the flood and Abraham, we have about 360 plus years, give or take, based on dating. 360 years between these two. Now, here's an interesting nugget that I didn't realize when I began to do some research. Most people, not most people, but a lot of Jews would say to this day that Abraham actually at one point lived with Noah, which is kind of a, a mind-blowing idea. that, And I, I, you know, I, I'm not a Jew, and I haven't studied the way they've studied, but this is something that they hold to. But here's the reality, that Noah and Abraham were contemporaries of one another. They were literally alive at the same time. We always think that these stories are so disconnected, but they're not. So Noah and Abraham were around at the same time. Noah's children, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, are his three kids. Uh, Abraham comes out of the line of Shem. What's also crazy is Shem, who is Abraham's great-grandfather, would go on to outlive Abraham. Also kind of weird. If that happened today, that would be strange. Okay. Now, last night, we were at a dear friend's birthday party down in Sedona. And uh, at one point, we always, when we go down there, we'll, we'll hang out the Morse's, we'll be down and we try and put our son to sleep in a pack-and-play in the room. It never works, okay? So instead, we throw him in his comfortable stroller, and we bundle him up with blankets, and then walk up and down the street until eventually he falls asleep, okay? Like, we just say, let's, like, I'm going to beat you, okay? Not, not physically, but like, I'm going to win this battle, right? Um, and so just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, walking my son up and down the street in, in the cold. And I began to think through today's sermon. I was like, all right, well, this is kind of where I think we're going to go. And, and God, what do you think? And we're pr- I'm praying. And maybe I should ask this question earlier. Um, but I'm starting to pray over it. And, and all of a sudden, and I'm not, I'm not usually, this doesn't always happen, right? But I, I, I legitimately felt in that moment, at, and it was like 9.30 at night in Sedona at a party, um, that God wanted to write something totally different from what I had spent the last two weeks on. And that is lame. Like, I, w- I was just like that what are you ta- you know and so what we have today is literally completely different than what I had for you 10 hours ago okay um, i got we got home around 12:30 and and then i was going to start working i didn't and so i woke up this morning and this is the result of, of I think, God moving. Now, I, I'm reluctant to somewhat tell you that because now expectations are probably higher than ever, right? You're like, oh my gosh, like, God, this is amazing. Like, what did he tell you? And then you're going to get there and be like, oh, listen, not <laughs> So we're going to see. We're going to see what God has for us. But it was, uh, it was heavily convicting for me as I started to think through this. So anyway, here we go. Abraham is 75, 70, 75 years old when he gets this call. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, let's go. Now the Lord said to Abram, "'Go from your country and your kindred "'and your father's house to the land that I will show you, "'and I will make of you a great nation, "'and I will bless you and make your name great "'so that you will be a blessing. "'I will bless those who bless you "'and him who dishonors you. "'I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth.'" Shall be blessed. So this is these, this this initial calling, this initial covenant between God and this guy named Abram. Abram becomes Abraham. We'll get to that in just a minute. So God comes down and says, Abram, you're going to be my guy, right? Again, I'm going to look amongst the multitudes of the people, and he chooses this one. And this is what he consistently does throughout the Old Testament, is he'll choose one, he'll make a covenant, and then he'll use that covenant with that one person or that one people to go and bless the world. And that's what he's done again here with Abram. Abram, here, come here, here's what I want to do. I need you to leave everything you know, go from your country, go from your kindred, go from your family, and go to a place that I will show you. And so this is literally me walking up to you and saying, Jack, here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave all of your friends, all of your family, your job, everything you know, and go to a place I'm not going to tell you about yet. Just don't ask any questions. I would say no. No. I mean, like, if I'm, if I'm honest with myself, like, the initial, th- I would be like, are you kidding? You want me to leave everything and go to a place you're not even going to tell me right now? We are skeptical about everything. Right? We, we, my wife and I went on a, a date the other night. I, did, I didn't want to order whatever the market price item was because they wouldn't tell you. Because it's market price, whatever that means. Like, we are a fearful people. We don't engage in anything without fully knowing all of the details. And here's Abram, who hasn't, he just gets, God go, hey, here's what I need you to do. Leave everything you know and go. Leave everything you know and go. This covenant, unlike the one that we talked about with Noah last week, is a covenant with a condition, Okay? So we talked about a royal grant covenant last week where the beneficiary of the covenant need not do anything. So God says, I will never flood the earth again. You don't need to do anything about it. I'm just not going to do it. I will not kill everyone by flooding the earth. That's a royal grant covenant. This is what we call a Caesarian vassal covenant. This covenant says, no, there is something the beneficiary must do on his end. So he says, get up and go. And Abraham gets up and he Goes to a place he doesn't know, into the darkness, into the wilderness. He goes and he obeys God. I can only imagine. I can only imagine the reason he did this is because he had a relationship with God that was powerful, that had impacted him, that had changed him, to have such a faith to say, all right, God, if you're going to say this, then I'll go. Man, I long for that. For Thanksgiving weekend, we went to a Thanksgiving service um, out in um, Newport Beach with my family. And it was the first time ever that I had to take my son and put him in a kids' ministry that was not our own. Okay? So we have never visited another church at this point. He's only about 15 months old. And so I had to go, and we had to like hand him over to these strangers. right? And we walk in, and I'm going to be honest, Judy wasn't very nice. right? She didn't have a smile on, and I was already a little you know, like nervous about giving my kid over. And I look at Finley, and if you've seen Finley, he is the most adorable baby in the world. And I set, or we hand him over, and I'm just thinking, what is going on in Finley's mind? He's going to a stranger that he doesn't know. And his father is handing him over to this person and says, go. And they take him into a room which he knows nothing about. He knows nothing about what's back there. And it's, you know, what is going on in his mind? And the only thing that I can think of is that for some reason he trusted that I wouldn't hand him over to someone that would harm him, right? That there was this, okay, you can go and do this, son, because your mother and I have so given you kind of, go ahead and do this. This is okay. And I believe that there's something. And he was like, all right, if you're saying, okay, then I'll go. Some type of childlike faith that he has to say, okay, if my father says this is okay, and this is what I'm to do, then I'll go do it. Okay. And I wonder if that's not the same thing for Abraham. This faith to just say, all right, God, like you say go, I'll go. And I fast forward to today, and I ask myself that question, would I go? It's a scary, scary proposition. And where is our relationship with God? Do we, he tr- do we trust him that much. Side note, when we went to go pick up Finley, we walk up, and I say, hey, yeah, we're here for Finley. They're like, oh, great. Yeah, he's in there. He's just taking his dress off. I was like, all right. Um, which, no problem. He wants to do dress up. That's fine, but it's weird when he's only 15 months and couldn't do anything. Like, you're just using my kid as a doll, um, but then all of a sudden, this, this kid, this other kid walks out. His name was Levi, and he goes, and the lady's like, here you go. I was like, not my child." Uh, I'd like to trade him for my son. And so I could only imagine, like, the other parent who was like, hey, you're trying to give my child away to a stranger. And I'm going to leave my kid. it was just this whole crazy situation. I don't know why I told you that. Other than it was just crazy. And I'm never leaving him anywhere other than here again. So, um, so this is the faith that I want to call us to this morning. Right? Like, this, this is the faith that I want us to say, like, hey, this is the goal. Hear me. Like, this is the goal. My, my goal, for, as I was studying this this week, my goal for my own heart was to say, God, if you say go, I'm there. God, if, if you say sit down, I'll sit down. God, if you say go talk to this person, I'll go talk to this person. God, if you say, you know what, be quiet for one minute in your life, then be, I'll be quiet. Or if he says go this direction. If he says, you know what, don't do this at the church. Do the, if it, I want to be at that place with God. Whereas he speaks, I obey. And that I want for all of us. In obedience, we find joy. We'll talk more about this in a little bit. But here's what I did. In order to cover all these chapters, I came up with seven connections, then to now. Again, looking at what was told then, how it was fulfilled, what is told now, how it was fulfilled, and the whole deal. So let's look at these. Here's the first one. And again, we called these last week billboard moments, right? That from the Old Testament, these are billboard moments where they are signs of what is to come in the coming kingdom. Just like in, when you're driving, you'd see a billboard as a sign of what is to come on The road, the first one. It is the covenants, promises. So, in the initial, you see, um, then lands a great nation, descendants a great name, and blessing. Those three things promised in the covenant. Okay, if if you go, here's what I'm going to do for you. And so he lays these three things out. They all end up happening. Okay, so Abraham does obey, and, and, and he disobeys in the midst of his obedience, and he goes, but then he's like, ah, I don't like it, so then he goes to Egypt, and there's all these issues there, and he lies. I mean, so that, it's not that his path is perfect. He screws up multiple times along the way, but on the big picture, he obeys. He tries, and he goes, and he listens to God. Okay. And God does eventually give him this land. His people, his descendants will inhabit Canaan, will inhabit this great land. And so God does fulfill his promise. The second one was of a great name. This meaning you will have a lineage. Your name will be great. Descendants will come from you. This also kind of at this point, still at 70 years old, at this point where he's hearing this, kind of a crazy idea. He has no kids at this and He's being told, hey, you're going to have a ton of kids. You're going to have a ton of descendants. How many people who here are 70 plus and are having kids right now? No, that's a lie. That's just a lie. You're like 11 what are you, or 20, sorry. Um, and so the second one, God will fulfill. Abraham goes on to have multiple children. He has Isaac. He has Ishmael. Isaac becomes the father of the Hebrew nation. Ishmael, the father of the Arab nation. Many descendants from his lineage. The last one, blessing. He is always given everything he needs to fulfill the mission that God has given him, right? So the covenant that is established here in Genesis 12 is fulfilled then and will be fulfilled even now and forevermore. We look now, land, a great nation. See, there's a borderless kingdom that exists in the kingdom of God that is both here now and will exist forevermore by the church, by the people of God. And so we now look fast forward to now, God continuing to fulfill this covenant with Abraham through Christ by giving to the church, his people, a borderless kingdom across our entire world that spans not just this, but all the way to heaven forevermore. Descendants. Yes, this continues to be filled today as people are added to the people of God, the family of God, the church of God. These continue to grow across the world. And lastly, the blessing, we are given everything we need to fulfill God's mission in this world right now. God continued to fulfill the covenants, the billboards that he gave us in the Old Testament. Okay, So that's the first one. The second one. The covenant's gift of righteousness. Then, Genesis fifteen five says, And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven, and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he, counted, and he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Okay, so then God now comes a few chapters later, about five years later, after this initial calling, and says, Hey, here's, here's the deal. You're now up in age, you still do not have an heir, you don't have any descendants, but here's what I'm going to do. I want you to look towards heaven, and if you can number the stars, that's how many kids you're going to have, right? That's, that's how many descendants will come from you. At 75 years old, with no kids, this seems like a scary proposition from God, a promise that I just don't think he would fulfill, and yet He does but the powerful part here is how righteousness is achieved. Righteousness is not achieved by Abraham leaving that moment with God and trying on his own to have as many kids as he can. Like he doesn't just start saying, all right, well, I'm just going to go sleep with as many women as possible so that somehow I'll start getting some kids at some point. did doesn't do that. He says, in this moment, what brought righteousness into the life of Abraham was just belief, nothing else. Just belief. God, you're saying you're going to do it? Or you're saying, you know, you're, you're going to give me these sense? I believe it. I believe that you're going to do that. And then God says, all right, good. Now you're righteous because of your faith and nothing else. This is important because now we look at Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Okay, so we fast forward. In Christ, this reminder has absolutely nothing to do with your good works. It doesn't save you. You're not righteous because you showed up to church today. You're not righteous because you go to a Bible study. You're not righteous because you read your Bible. You're not righteous because you said some prayer one time. You are righteous because of your faith and only your faith in Jesus. It's the only thing that gets you there. That is why God now looks upon you and says, righteous, righteous, righteous. Your faith in Jesus, nothing else can give it to you. I think the second implication for us is regardless of how crazy something God might promise. He always fulfills his promises. Like, hear me, and, and there are some crazy things in this world and he might call you to live out in some crazy things and in some crazy ways and do some stuff that just boggles your mind and you think is completely impossible, but I want you to know and I need to believe it myself that God is extremely capable. Of fulfilling everything he will ever ask of you. There is nothing he will ask of you he cannot fulfill in you. Okay? This should give us strength and hope. Let's continue. The covenant's fulfiller. The third connection. Genesis fifteen seven. He said to him, and this is long. Hang in there and kind of weird. He says, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you the land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to... How, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each over against each other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between these pieces, okay? So how many people have ever done a blood ritual like this? A few of you? That guy? Did you do one of these two? <laughs> so here's the plan. I want you to take a bunch of animals, bring them to me. I want you to cut them in half. I want you to lay kind of an aisle over on, the side, on each side of you, okay? Now this is, this again... God, are you, what are, are you crazy? And so um, this is a blood oath, a blood covenant. This would be established sometimes between kings, between kings and subjects, kind of this idea of, all right, what we're going to do is this crazy stinking ritual, and then what would happen at the end is that both kings or both parties would then walk between all of the carcasses symbolizing we are in agreement by the blood of these animals to fulfill the covenant that we've just agreed upon. It is a crazy, crazy thing, but it was done pretty often. And so the beauty of this, the fulfiller, the covenants fulfiller then and now, has always, be, has always been and will always be God himself. Because the flaming torch, this, this pot, as, I mean, you can only picture it, all of this bloody carcass laying and then these things just kind of floating through these two lines of animals. You see, and these things symbolize God's presence. So what you notice is during this time, Abram is asleep, right? Abram's taken a nap. And in the midst of it, God sets up this blood covenant, and he is the only one that passes through. Abram doesn't go through himself. It's just God's presence telling us again now that God is going to fulfill the covenant on his own. We talked about last week how scary a covenant with God would be when there's a condition, right? Like a Caesarean vassal covenant with God is a scary thing because it says, hey, if you do this, then I will do this. And there's a consistent reality in our lives of us failing, not living up to God's calling, sinning, doing whatever is against him in many ways. And so this proposition that God gives us, I mean, if you obey, then I'll do this, that's scary for us because I think obedience is pretty tough for us sometimes. And we said the only thing, the only reason why this type of covenant can still bring hope and peace is when there is one who is, a, who is good enough and powerful enough to fulfill both ends of the covenant himself. And this is what this moment is. It's God saying, you know what? Abram, just take a nap, man, because I'm going to go and I will do this all By myself, I will be the fulfiller of the covenant, because you cannot be. And so he leaves Abram to the side and says, I'll go do this. We fast forward to now. John 14 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We see in Hebrews the greater sacrifice of Christ, that He is the only one. He sits down after it is finished at the right hand of the Father. And rules this world. It is only through God. You did not, again, earn anything. This is a celebratory moment for the church because we say, Amen, because we couldn't. Okay. This is the third one. That's the fulfillment. The next, the fourth one, the covenant's transformative power. Genesis seventeen four. Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Very simple. Abram's name means exalted father. Okay, in Genesis 17, he changes his name to Abraham, which means exalted father of a multitude. Okay. Because he's showing him, listen, there's something different happening here. I'm doing something in you. I'm changing your identity. I'm making you new. You are no longer Abram. You are now Abraham. It is showing the transformative power of God when he fulfills his promises. Okay. Please fast forward to 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the new or the new has come. Behold, the new... That is not right. Let me just read it. The old has passed away. The new has come. That's what we were going for the whole time. The old has passed away. The new has come. So for Abraham, he experiences this transformative moment. God comes in, fulfills his end of the covenant, makes him new, grants him righteousness, calls him in this covenant. And now we fast forward. In Christ, we are new creations, made new. Your identity is not what it once was. If you are here and you're a Christian, you're not who you used to be. You have been given a new name. So live in the freedom of the fact that you're not who you used to be and you've been given a new name. Stop acting like, stop living like you're still the old person because you're not. This is a supernatural reality of the change of the identity of the people of God that in Christ, he transforms and renews us. This is what we symbolize in baptism is the made newness of the people of God this should move the people of God to live in freedom because we are not who we once were. And so if you're sitting here and you're experiencing maybe the shame of past sin, past issue, stop. You need not. You're not that person anymore. If you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, I, I can't go and do whatever God's calling me to because of my past, stop that. God has made you new. There is no excuse that is based upon us and our failure that then disqualifies you for moving forward in light of the reality that God has made you a new person. You're not who you were. This needs to become a reality for the church in the world today. That we stop coming up with excuses and we start really sitting in the reality of the work of God in the transforming and renewing power that he has to make you a completely new creation, to change your name and to send you out as that and not what you once were. That, I cannot belabor the point enough, you are not who you were. This is an exciting reality, I think, for us. We need to live in it. The next one, the covenant sign, circumcision versus the Holy Spirit. So then, Genesis 17, 10 says this, This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins and it should be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old Among you shall be circumcised every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not your offspring. Both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. Okay, so I just imagine this moment of Abraham going to the people and saying, Hey guys, I got news. Okay, you're not going to like it. It's pretty intense, and this kind of they're all like, "What is it, Abraham?" And he says, "Well, yikes!" <laughs> and I believe I imagine him reading this to them and saying, "Yeah, the boy who is eight days old will have to be circumcised," and all the older men were like, "Okay." And then he continues on, and every male needs to be circumcised, and then they all just run <laughs> like, they're "Like, wait, what? Come again?" is that the sign of this covenant was going to be circumcision, that there would be a mark that people would then be able to know, this is my people. This is the people of the covenant, okay? Now, fast forward to now. It is no longer the sign of the covenant. So in other words, if you are a male in this room and you gave your life to the Lord today, you can breathe easy, okay? Because the sign of the covenant is this in Ephesians 1, 13. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. The new seal, the new sign is the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the Christian. Okay. This, is, this is profound. This is a very good thing for the church. Wow, so, so now, the way that we'll know, is because God's presence now lives inside of us, is the seal that we are His. It cannot be taken from us. It is, He is in you. Okay. This is a point that I feel like oftentimes, and maybe it's just me, but I think we easily, people in our tribe, in our camp of Christianity, just sometimes miss. Hear me, the power and the reality. If you are here and you are a Christian, right if you are are part of the covenant people of god god lives inside of you the holy spirit lives inside of you he is active In your life, transforming your heart, renewing your mind, the conviction you feel either now or as you go or whatever you're doing to walk in light of God. When you open up the Bible and scripture becomes real and is illuminating, that's the Holy Spirit. When you begin to see the work all around you of people's lives being changed, healings, that is the Holy Spirit and he is active and all of that power is inside of you. That is a good thing for the church. You see, they had circumcision. We have the Holy Spirit. We have something that when God, when Christ was telling his people, hey, I'm going to have to leave, he was saying, listen, I got to go, but there's something better than me that's en route. Right, I need to go, because if I don't go, you don't get the counselor. You don't get the Holy Spirit. So if this is Jesus, and I'm thinking to myself, man, if I'm living my life, and I had Jesus walking with me everywhere, my life would be perfect, right? Because I'm with Jesus. And he's saying, "No, no, no, it's better that I go so you get me inside of you. Like, you get the Holy Spirit. And I just wonder, do we live like that? Or is it just like, hey, yeah, I guess he's around No, he's inside of us. He is active in his work to renew us, okay? It's really good news. The last two, the covenant's chosen one, okay? So just like Noah, where Jesus was the greater Noah, right? Chosen amongst all mankind to be the one in obedience that brought salvation to the world. Jesus now, too, is the greater Abraham. See, if you remember, right, Abraham was just hanging out, and then was called out of his comfort, out of what he knew, to leave his country, to leave his kindred, to leave his family, and go to a place that was not his own. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, before Advent, before, right, what we celebrate in just a few weeks, was with his Father in heaven. With the Holy Spirit existing in this perfect community, the triune God, the Trinity, loving, supporting, serving, caring. I mean, they were in this together. And then Jesus is called from his comfort, called from his throne, called from his family, called from what he knows to go to a place that he does not know, to live, to die, and to be raised that in his obedience the world might be saved. You see, everything we see, this this billboard moment was meant for the Jews to say, okay, Abraham's great, but there's someone greater coming. There's something even better than Father Abraham, and it's Jesus, the fulfiller of all these things. Which leads us to this last one. The covenant's call to bless the world. So then, Genesis 12, 1, I read the, call, the covenant again. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That was his calling. You need to go because in that I'm going to bless the world now for us Matthew 28:18 And Jesus came and said to them all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them that, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold I am with you always to the end of the age consistently this covenant points us to the reality that now the church as the fulfillment of God's covenant people, even set up with Abraham thousands and thousands of years ago, are now still to go and to bless the world. That God's blessing is not to die with you. That God's resource, that God's gifts, that God's talents, that God's whatever he has given you is not meant for you only. But it's meant that you would go and bless the world. And if we're leaving that half behind... Gosh, yeah, you know what? Like, praise God. He, Jesus is the only way. He passed through the blood oath. You know, he did all this stuff. So, man, even in our failure, in our lack of generosity, in our desire to just do our own thing and can, instead of pouring out and blessing others, he's still faithful. He'll still fulfill the covenant. You're probably still going to heaven. But, man, I don't think that's what we are supposed to be doing. That the blessings we receive are not supposed to die on us. And so let us be a people. Let us be a church that loves those around us, that loves the city, that cares for the poor, the underprivileged, the widow, the orphan, those who are in need, because we've been given much. Amen? I want you to camp on. You have been given a new name. Like, like for me, this this is and this is what was the main kind of heart of the tweak from last night was just like you have been given a new name. Like church, listen, you have been given a new name. You're not who you were. You're now something different. You're now son. You're now daughter of the most high God. He has accomplished everything on your behalf. So you don't need to walk in fear of him. Reverence, certainly. But not fear that at any moment he's about to tear you down. You walk in confidence and hope because he has accomplished everything on your behalf and now we go. Because we've been given a new name. Because you're not who you were. Because I'm not who I was. Now we can go. And we're going to go. Amen? Let's pray. We thank you for Scripture. I thank you just for its ability to just I think, just convict to teach us truth, to shape us. God, I think there was just a lot of me in the prepping this last week that just wanted to kind of go on a bunch of commentary and color everything. And God, I think there's just power in your word this morning that I pray God would always be sufficient. God, I pray that you would do the work that you've, you've told us that you did in the life of Abraham in the life of his people. you fulfilled that covenant, God. you fulfilled every promise, even in us. God, that you're making us new, even now. This constant renewal that we have. God, the new mercies, the grace that is just undeserved and amazing. God, I pray today that as now we have the opportunity to, to give and to bless the world, because we've been blessed. God, would you give us the confidence? Would you give us the security and the faith in you, God, to go? To step into both places and step into calling, step into things. God, even if we don't have all the details, even if it's scary, we will do so because we have seen you prove faithful time in and time out as we've seen in the story of Abraham and the covenant established and how we are continuing to fulfill that covenant now. God, to thank you. God and so please move in us now that we would be your covenant people that blesses the world, God as we give and as we celebrate you. God, you're far too good to us. Thank you for this, this moment where we don't we don't need to wait any longer. You have come, so now we celebrate and act as your people. In your name, we pray. Amen.